Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. So I'm back. I told you guys I'd be back in full effect. Like I said, um, for this episode, I'm I'm really, really excited. I'm really excited. Obviously, we know the winner, game seven, the Boston Celtic, uh, the Boston Celtics, congratulations to them uh for advancing to the NBA finals for the 22nd time. If I'm not mistaken, for the 22nd time they advanced to the NBA finals. Um, so we got a really, really good finals, I think. Um, all throughout this finals, all throughout the series, I'm gonna be trying to get different people on. Um, so for the next for the next week and a half or so, you're gonna see just a, a, a litany of different people coming on and so forth from different uh from just from different parts of the of, of the of the game of basketball. So I think today's episode is gonna be really good. Uh, I can assure you that a lot of gems will be dropped. So please stick around. If you are, if you clicked on to this episode, you clicked on the absolute best and the right episode to click on. So stay on. Like I said, shouts out to everybody. Once again, you know, I'm your humble and fi- I'm your humble and highly favorite host, Isaiah Kitt of the Isaiah Kitt Podcast. Um, I feel really good. <clears throat> I feel really good, but I'm I'm about to bring my special guest on. He is he he is truly a basketball genius, a basketball savant, a basketball mastermind, um, and just has a lot of experience and just like a lot of life experience. So um, he's been on this podcast before, but I, I'm still gonna open him. I'm still gonna welcome him with open arms because he is that good. So without further ado, I'm gonna bring my guest on. Let's go. All right, so as I said, as I already talked about, um, I told you guys uh, I'm bringing on a very, very, very special guest back. He this is his second time coming back on the podcast, so um, it's and it's pretty early on his side where he is right now. So I, I just appreciate and thank him for you know giving us his time and so forth. But I have once again Mark Edwards, um, you know, I, like. I think the last episode, the first, the first time I brought him back on the, uh, on the, on, had you on the pod, you, you gave so many great stories and so much great insight on the game. Um, and obviously my, my listeners know what you do. Um, if you, if you guys, if you are a new listener and you are, and you, you know, you may not know what Mark does, uh, I'm just going to, uh, first I'm going to introduce him, um, Cause he's he's awesome, awesome guy. But then uh, I I'll allow him to, you know, just restate what he does and, you know, why he is why why is he Mark Edwards? So like I said, welcome Mark Edwards back again. Uh, how you doing, my guy? Blessed man, blessed man. Happy to be here. You know what I'm saying? Happy to be here. New day. For sure, for sure. So like I said, for for any of my new listeners, poss- uh probably. Just restate or reiterate, like, what do you do um, in terms of the game of basketball and why, you know, why, in my in my opinion, why I think you are important, why you are critical to the game of basketball? Um, I'm a skills development guy, so uh, I've kind of thrown away the uh, term, you know, basketball trainer. Mm-hmm. For multiple reasons, one of the reasons is I don't just develop, um, you know, just I don't just train people. You know, training is 
you know, we can come and we can get a workout in. We can, you know, do an hour, 45 minutes of, you know, a bunch of various things. Um, what I like to do is I like to fine tune and sharpen skills of players that want to play at the next levels. Mm-hmm. Um, the next levels being if you're in middle school, you, you want to prepare for high school. If you're in high school, you want to prepare for college and the NBA. You know, and I say college and the NBA because um, the movements in college and the NBA are similar if you can um, master the fundamentals. And that's one of the things that is not being done right now uh, with trainers around the country. A lot of guys are using uh, extraordinary movements as their basis for training development and their own popularity to get clients. And that is hurting the culture. So myself, I like to do things totally different. Uh, I've been at this for 28 years. Um, I'm one of the original founding founding guys uh, in creation of the annual mixtape tour back in the days. I've done movies, TV commercials, doing choreography, casting. I have a casting agency doing commercials and, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I've had over 400 guys uh, get a scholarship to college with basketball and other sports as far as development. I do speed and agility, work with the Vertimax, the Raptor, so I'm able to help guys get not only more skillful, but faster, stronger, more explosive. So, you know, I, I don't I don't think you can actually be an elite ball player or a high-level ball player uh, with no physical prowess. So my thing is making sure that I cover as many bases as possible. Absolutely. That's brilliant. Um, like I said, and like I said, you can the last episode was amazing with he when I first brought Mark on. Um, he was amazing. He gave us his background and so forth. So you can go you guys can go check that out if you want. That was back in August. Um, but so Mark Edwards, uh I, I'm just glad to have you on. And as you guys can tell, basketball savant, basketball genius at the highest levels, at the highest of levels. Um, how you been doing so far? Like, how you been doing? It, like, I know last time we talked about, uh, you know, you were furthering your skill development with guys uh, throughout the draft and so forth and getting guys ready for the draft process. Um, you know, it's May right now, going into June. The draft is right around the corner. How have you been doing? Have you been working with some guys of, of note that you don't mind talking about and so forth? Um, this year was kind of light for me. Okay. Um, I think because the draft process was a little different. Um, this year it was a shorter process. Last year, you know, I had four months of work with uh with Jalen Green, and um, that really was just what I like to do. I don't like to come in and do workouts with guys. I really don't. I'd rather do something where it's more skill building, where we have time to really look. Uh, and what you didn't do well, look at what we need to improve on and really make strides so that people can notice the difference. And usually it takes a three-month window for you to see the difference in someone's game. Like, you know, trainers nowadays, they will work out a guy, you know, two times mm-hmm. and they take pictures with him, got video up. Yeah, I trained LeBron James. Yeah, I trained, uh, you know, this guy, that guy. But did that work? You did really help them. Did it really help them? Because guys have been playing basketball their whole lives, especially NBA guys. You know, so yeah. the the things you're doing are they instantly picking it up, and can it transfer immediately to their game on court? You know, that's hard to say. You know, especially in three weeks or two weeks or whatever. So me, I need time. So those are the only players I really like to work with this year. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Um, I had a kid, uh, Mohammed Gai. Uh, I think that's how you pronounce his name. He went to Washington State last year. Um, I think he might be in the transfer portal now. Uh, a bunch of NBA teams are interested in him. So he's thinking about coming out, even though he didn't have an amazing, you know, um, you know, first year or whatever. Uh, his movements, his skill set are, you know, becoming of an NBA player. Mm-hmm. And he's an African kid. And the, the thing with him is he's so fluid. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times um, I see a lot of African kids come over and their movements are really robotic because the people that are training them have them doing so much like cone work mm-hmm. and they don't really understand how to really react based on how the defense is playing you. They're really determined into doing a certain move or whatever. This guy is super fluid. And I think he's going to have a shot. Uh, so I know he's working out for some teams and he's still considering uh, going back to school for another year to possibly, you know, further his his, uh, his draft opportunities, you know, next year. You know, it, it just depends. He hasn't made a decision if he's staying in the draft or not. Also worked out with the kid Kyler Edwards uh, from Houston, who's an uh, amazing defensive player, uh, first team all defense in that conference, University of Houston. Um big time shooter. Uh, so we worked on his handle, getting his handle a lot more fluid, you know, uh, and we did that, you know, in a month. So that was amazing. And another kid, Jalen Cook, uh, who plays for Tulane, averaged about 18, almost 19 points a game at Tulane, okay. uh, six, six, one guard. Um, he's an elite ball handler. He might be the best ball handler in college basketball. Uh, hands down, like he can get to whatever spot he wants to get to, whatever he wants to get there. It's just a matter of him becoming more experienced at doing that. And um, I think he was thinking about testing the waters, but he might go back as well. So I had a lot of guys that um, those are my favorite guys to work with. Okay. Guys that you don't know about, guys yeah. that people are like, oh, oh, wow, he got better, you know, because then then you could bring my name in conversation because I don't like to do a lot of stuff on social media. I don't like to put my work on display on social media why like yeah. like if, if it's like being a producer you know like i produce this album you know is the video going to show is the video of the music video going to be of, of us in the studio making your records or is it going to be more about your lifestyle or what you're doing or your song you know what I'm saying me i want to be behind the scenes that's where i think we belong as far as coaching, training, development, that's and, and that for and that's and that sort, it's not about us. It's about the players. Right. So I don't like the the, the grandiose over marketing of trainers. I don't. Got I it. think it's corny. Yeah. I think it, it defeats the culture. Um, because the game is about the players. It's about the kids. It's about their opportunities. About their time to shine. I'm 52 years old. I've done enough. I'm good. You know what I'm saying? I. I, I like going shopping places where people don't think I belong. And they say, well, damn, well, what do you do? You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> they don't know my face from TV or, you know, Instagram or whatever. I, I, I cherish that part. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I love my uh, anonymity. Absolutely. Um, that's excellent. I think, uh, so as you already talked about, you like to, be, you and you we talked about this, covered this. You like to be behind the scenes. You don't do the social media stuff. And when guys emerge onto the scene and show and show big time improvement, then that's when you hear your name. And for me, Mark, I can I know all last summer, um, all throughout the la- all throughout last summer before this upcoming season, <clears throat> I would be on you know I would be on different spaces with you, 
whether that was Clubhouse or so forth, so forth, blase, blase. And I would hear you talk about this kid, Jordan Poole. And, you know, unbeknownst to a lot of people, uh, obviously we know his story, played at Michigan. He was he, he had a pretty decent, a pretty okay career at Michigan, collegiate career at Michigan. Um, but then got drafted by the Warriors in 2019, uh, was a G League guy initially. Uh, and now obviously we like hindsight is 2020. We now see him and he's one of the he's like he's a key contributor and some nights the second option on a team that could possibly win the NBA championship this year. Now tell me this on t- in terms of Jordan Poole, because I, I I swear I marked every day you talked about this kid and I paid attention because at first I know your work. I, I, I appreciate your work. And when you were talking, I, I can remember when you would bring up Jordan Poole, you would talk about the development that you have uh, in terms of his jump shot getting better, um, what he needed to do in order to get that max contract that he was in, that he was looking for and so forth. And I, and, and honestly, people would laugh at the fact that you were saying these things, but I was taking these things in note taking and being and, and, and like taking it serious and and now i mean like i said hindsight is 2020 <laughs> you look at jordan Poole now he's coming off a year where he averaged 18 18 and a half points per game um and i thought he should have won most improved player this year um but that's another story but just talk about that whole process and development of Jordan Poole, because like I said, I, and I, I'm telling my listeners, I swear, every day, every day or anytime I was in a space with Mark and he was talking about Jordan Poole and his development, I was just so amazed. And now I and, and throughout the season, I just think back to everything you've been saying about Jordan Poole and I'm looking at it and it's like, wow. That, that that like that's like it's truly amazing. Can you just talk about that? Um, I mean, first and foremost, you know, Jordan came in with a special talent. Mm-hmm. You know, first and foremost, he was an NBA player. You know, he's a first round draft pick, and you know, it wasn't like he wasn't a good player. Right. You know, like people look at um, he didn't have like huge production at Michigan, but he definitely had those you know quote unquote NBA movements. Mm-hmm. that make a, a GM or a scout say, hey, I think you can play in our league, you know, based on, you know, what what we're seeing here. You know, we're we're not getting a huge sample size, but sometimes, you know, in this game, you don't need a huge sample size if you know what you're looking at. Right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> if it walks like a duck, it's a duck. Sounds like a duck, it's a duck. Right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Just because people don't acknowledge it as a duck, it doesn't mean anything. You know, at the end of the day, you don't even want everyone to acknowledge it. You want it to be your little secret. So I think that's what Jordan was to a few people, um, especially the as especially the Golden State Warriors. And um, I mean he came in special as Aja told me this is a different kid, you know. Um, so you know, he's got his quirks. And I was like, Oh, that's a well, you have to have your quirks, you know what I'm saying, to to be a NBA player. You have to almost be crazy. Mm-hmm. You have to think about it. If you're an NBA player and someone says, well, you you know, I'll tell a guy, you want to get your jump shot better? You got to take a thousand jumpers a day, minimum. You know what I'm saying? You got to take a thousand shots a day. You know, and I break it down. So I say, you can do, you can do uh, 300 form shots. You can do 300 mid-range shots. You can do 300 threes. And then you can take 100 free throws every day. 
and you will be a better shooter mm-hmm. easily. It's just a fact. But guess what? If you do that in normal life, if someone says, if someone you look at someone and they're knocking on a door a thousand times a day, you're like, what's wrong with you? I'm working on my ability to knock on doors better. Like, okay, you're crazy. Something wrong with you. Right. Like nobody does stuff over and over and over and over expecting, you know, a different result or the same result or whatever. Like that's what you have to do. You have to create an amazing amount of muscle memory, you know, with your body and your brain to the point where when you play this game, you know, there's the it's, it's it's a certain symmetry that you get. It's a perfection that you're that you're looking for that you'll never get. You know what I'm saying? But you still yeah. keep trying to work on it. If you can't shoot, so I said, oh man, you can't shoot, man, give it up. You gotta be crazy to keep working on that same shot that you can't make. And then one day you start making it. And then another day you start making more. And then you start saying, well, okay, well, I need to work on a more difficult shot. That's crazy. You know what I'm saying? That's yeah. crazy. You know, like real talk, like people might say, oh, you got mental health issues. Like you keep, you keep like something's wrong with you. But to be an NBA player, you have to be that guy. Yeah. Jordan is a kid that came in saying I'm that good. And people need to recognize. And I fell in love with that. So I asked him to trust me. I asked his agent to, to trust me. You know, um, and I said, I'm I'm not like the other guys. I, I train differently. We're going to create a foundation. We're going to work on that. And I told him, I said, I'm going to show you some stuff you can't do. And he looked at me like I was crazy. Like, man, oh, man, crazy. Man, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, he's like, yeah, there's nothing you can do that I can't do. And, of course, I showed him some ball handling movements that he has adapted or whatever. And, um, you know, we kind of built from there. But the, those ball handling movements were very fundamental you know they were very fundamental Mm -hmm. and once he mastered them it actually added to his normal handling he's always been a a crafty ball handler Mm -hmm. you know he's not he's not the superstar ball handler but he can do enough to break away from you and get his shot off right so now we're like well we need you to be able to not just break away and get your shot off we need you to be able to break somebody down 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 and get your shot off because in this offense of screens, cuts, curls, pin downs, you know, if those shots aren't available, if guys' shots aren't falling, we need somebody that can create off the dribble outside of Steph. Because if you realize the Golden State Warriors only had Steph as the player that could break guys down off the dribble. Right. So I I felt like he needed to work on that. He felt like he needed to continue to master the system. So there's no argument there. He, he's, you know, he's not the boss, but, you know, he's my client. And I'm gonna, you know, we're gonna work towards his wishes. So we, it was a, it was a compromise where we got in a lot of work on the stuff they do at Golden State, which is very important because you can't get on the floor unless you've mastered their system. Right. You know what I'm saying? But then also we gave him a little bag. You know what I'm saying? His bag would be considered like a little backpack mm-hmm. <laughs> in reference to the amount of skills that he potentially will get in the future. You know, and that's a good thing. He's he's young. He's young. He's going to add more stuff to it, you know. But this is the exciting part is we didn't add that much in his bag. So imagine what potentially he could add to his bag right. in the future. And that's what you should be excited about. That's what fans should be excited about. Like, whoa, what's he going to do next year? Mm-hmm. Because we didn't really touch it. We just did a little bit. And... 
with him, it's about the work. It's not about anything other than the work. And I tell people all the time, you know, do not look at me as the person that is here to take credit for Jordan Poole's success. I denounce that. It's not going to happen. That kid was already good when I got him. Uh I was just there to help guide him, you know, to a different level. Because he's the one that wanted to put the work in. Because you have a lot of NBA players that don't work as hard as him. They don't. They don't want to. They don't want to put in that time lifting weights every day. They don't want to put in that time shooting those jumpers or being challenged with working on that thirty foot jump shot. <laughs> a thirty footer. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, if Steph can do it, why can't I? Right. If Steph Curry can shoot and make thirty foot jump shots, why can't I? And the funniest thing is, if you measure off a thirty footer, it's not even that far. But it is. But it's not. But you have to measure it off and see exactly where it is. And the most important piece is you work on the footwork because you need to be comfortable when you get in that spot. You can't be off balance. You can't be rushed. Your release point has to be at a certain level. Mm -hmm. And that's what he was able to do. He was able to fine tune and create the rhythm, you know, for those type of jump shots and so forth. And he did that over the summer. And when I was watching him doing it, I'll be like, whoa. Okay, all right, you did that. All right, let's challenge. Let's, let's do something else. He can't do it at first. Okay, then a day or so later, another challenge. He's mastered that. You know, so I love seeing that progression. And for me, I like to use a term, I know what they look like. <laughs> and when I say that, I, I talk about, you know, those guys, those NBA players that are considered special. Yeah. Because I had the, the, the amazing honor, an honor, to see Michael Jeffrey Jordan as a rookie. I saw him live in Madison Square Garden. I was there when he did the rock the cradle dunk, you know what I'm saying, and, and dunked it in the garden. It was a preseason game he did it the first time. I saw it. I had seats on the floor, you know what I'm saying? My family was was pretty well off. We were good, you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, and, and people weren't, you know, going crazy over floor seats back in the day. So, you know, either you could buy them or you could, you could watch the game in your regular seat or you could wait till halftime. Hey, anybody sat in that seat all night? I'm going to walk down there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So one way or another, I was getting to that floor. Yeah. You know? And I saw him. I saw Mike. I saw his movements. I saw how fast he was. So people say, oh, man, I, it was easy back then. You know, you couldn't play zone. You couldn't do this. You couldn't do that. Yeah, but it was still really physical. And he was so fast. So watching Mike, watching Michael Jordan move, it just opened my eyes to a level of training and development that's needed to be a great ball player. And that's when I started working on myself. I started experimenting on myself with trying to do what I saw Mike do. This is what I saw Mike do. Mike got to this spot. Mike hit this shot. Mike was moving this fast. So... I, I, it's crazy. I, I became what I am today by just researching and having a love for it as a child. And I didn't realize I would be a skill development guy. You know, I thought I'd be an NBA player. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was really good. Yeah. But, you know, God didn't have it in his, in his plans for me. So, you know, here I am, blessed to be able to work with amazing guys like Jordan. You know, the future is his, man. I'm, I'm just going to keep it real with you, man. The future is his. I don't put a limit on how good that young man can be. I see him as a future all-star if he continues to work at the level he's working at, you know. Um, but, you know, I mean, we'll see. 
Absolutely. We'll see. Yeah, I think that um, amazing, absolutely amazing, right there. Um, I think, I think you're right. Um, in terms of pool, um, I think you're right. I think he 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 showed he really showed a lot, and the development. If like if you were really paying attention from year one to two to three, uh, year three now, like he averaged last year, he averaged twelve points a game in limited minutes and spot minutes. Um, and then you look at now this year, he obviously had an increased role in in at times with Clay being out, he was a starter, um, and he was put in a lot of different variations and in, in, in just different situations, and he flourished. Um, I would just say this, hey, I think that that's a new element of, uh, or what you have, what you have told me, that's a new element of, um, of the, the of the uh, of his development. Like I didn't know you guys had came up with a compromise, um, in terms of okay, him getting better uh, acquainted with their system, but then also him adding some tutelage to his ball handling. And shot creating skills, I didn't know that. I, I didn't. I didn't know that existed there. Um, so that 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 that's really that's a really interesting element. And if you don't mind, like, was there anything that the warrior like did the Warriors know that you were working with him? Like, was there any was there anything in cahoots like that they wanted to see him improve on that has that has made him like he he has a huge role like he's. He's a dependable guy, and he's really valuable to what they do. Like you said, he is uh he's that second guy outside of Steph that can really put the ball on the deck and, and dance on people and create his own shot. So, so what they did is they sent out a year and um like this is what we want you to improve on. Here are the movements we want you to improve on. And what I was able to do was look at it and touch on the things we could touch on. Um, they did send um, his assistant coach, his coach down. Um, Cause you like, it's kind of like each player has a coach assigned to them that works with them. You know what I'm saying? Um, and uh, coach Chris, and I think he's one of the guys, you know, they mentioned, they mentioned on air as being one of the people responsible for, you know, his growth and development. <laughs> And people hit me up like, man, they talking about this guy. Chris is the guy who's responsible. I'm like, no, he's with them all the time. I said, and he, he's come in and watched us work. You know, he's he's um admired what we were doing in regards to, you know, the the work. So he co-signed it, said, yeah, that's good work, this, that, and the other. So, you know, the organization definitely was behind him in regards to his development. You know what I'm saying? Most definitely. They were behind him. They were like, nah, this is good. You know, um, I sat back and I watched some of the work that Golden State um, wanted him to do. Uh, and it was consistent with what we were doing already as far as their system. Announced curls, you know, flares, drifts, you know, hard cuts, you know, towards towards them. They're really big on making threes. You know what I'm saying? Right. They're really big on making threes. They, they'd rather you know, you know, play that long ball game and definitely finish at the rim. So it's either at the rim or a three-pointer, you know, and the mid-range game does come into effect, but just understand that they only had the two, the only Steph Curry really was, you know, able to create and get a mid-range shot. You know, Clay would two off the shot fakes, you know, one, two dribbles, pull-ups or whatever. Uh -huh. um, and Andrew Wiggins has, 
you know, clerks in that role as well. But they needed another guy that could do that. They needed, you know, Jordan to be able to do that. And I don't think they planned on him being able to do that. But he worked his butt off. Right. He worked his butt off. Um, and it's only going to get better. He's only going to get better. These things he's doing are just an example, like a small preview into what we're going to see from him over the next, you know, eight to 10 years, you know, of his playing career. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so another guy uh, that we talked about on, um, on the first, initially the first time we had you on was Jalen green. We talked a lot about Jalen green. Um, and, just give me, because you talked about his pro, you know, you guys' uh, process in terms of his development um, and prepping him for the draft on on the first time I had you on. But after now that the you know his rookie season has completed, um, started off a bit a bit slow, uh, you know, at times it'd be up and down. But I think really after like you know from January on, he really start. I watched a lot of his games. He really started to pick up the NBA pace and the flow of it. Um, his jumper had had improved. His percentages had really, really improved. Um, and he just he looked he looked really, really to part. Um, so I mean, from your opinion, from your perspective, uh, like how would you evaluate Jalen Green's rookie year? Um, and some of the stuff that you guys worked on, like those things being carried out and actually seeing on the NBA floor? Um, I think he just credits to the work he was doing with, uh, with John Lucas. Um, and I think he also credit, you know, his guys that, um, you know, in-house guys that he has with him, one of them named uh, Mike Hill and another guy, uh, Juice. Those are his two, you know, homeboys that, you know, with him, you know, managing him and, and pushing him or whatever. Yeah. Um, their belief, their belief in Jalen, um, you know, is it, it, is amazing. You know, Jalen has an incredible belief in himself first and foremost. You know, he's super talented, but you got to have the right team around you. And you know, those guys with him, you know, every day. You know, what I'm saying pushing him because they know how great he wants to be. You know, what I'm saying. Um, but also, I think the biggest leap was um his excuse me their acquisition of a point guard mm. you know once they got straighter if you look at his numbers you know what I'm saying they went up they went crazy you yeah. know and I feel like a lot of it was because they had someone that could settle down the offense. You know I think it was unfair that they um you know tried to you know put um you know Porter, Porter in that point guard position. Mm -hmm. I think it was cute. It was interesting. You know, but I also think it was part of them tanking. But it was also a part of them saying, you know what? I'm going to let these young guys, um, I'm going to let them rock out. I'm going to let them get all as much experience as possible. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to let them get as much experience as possible. I'm going to let them make as many mistakes as, 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 as they need to to get comfortable with, you know, the league. You know, they're not going to win much, but we expect that. You know, and that's what happens when your team is tanking. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they want to get another draft pick. They want to they want to assemble a new roster through the draft. You know what I'm saying? And if they're gonna make some trades, they'll make some trades. If not, they won't. But they definitely, uh, they definitely were tanking. I mean, they had John Wall sit out an entire year. Yeah. 
Like, what, what's the? There's no excuse for that other than, of course, they're they're tanking. Right. You have a potential a, a perennial All Star point guard on the bench, and you have two young players who, you know, needed that leadership, and they they didn't have them play. You know, so I mean, there's a level of frustration. You know, if you're a fan, if you're a player. That goes that goes into that, but there's a business there's a business side of this that people have to understand. Like, you know, the franchise has to rebuild. You know what I'm saying? They have to rebuild. You know, and this is the way they felt was the, the best situation for them. They wanted to do it that way. You know, but Jalen got a, got got to make mistakes. Whereas if he played on a veteran team, had he made those same mistakes, they might have limited his minutes a little bit more. But also, he did miss that veteran leadership. Because the team was so young, mm-hmm. who was his vet? Right. You know, because every every rookie has a has a vet. You know, what I'm saying has a vet that is there. You know, with them, counseling them. You know, teaching them how to work out, how to eat, how to act, how to shop, how to do everything. Right? Because these are children. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I'm not talking a child like you know, like in a, in a negative way. I'm saying it in, in 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 regards to youth and wisdom. He doesn't have. A lot of wisdom yet he's gonna acquire that over the years right you know so he doesn't really know this professional game he knows basketball but he doesn't know the nba basketball he doesn't know the culture and everything that comes that comes along with it so i mean i think this was how houston decided to get him his playing experience get him his lumps you know he's gonna get his lumps like this you yeah. know what i'm saying versus like that you know and then you had guys like scotty barnes and you know uh mobley who had a chance to go on teams that were, you know, playoff potential teams, yep. you know, and playing on those teams, you know, with veterans or whatever, veteran leadership guys who've been in the league for a while, you know, I mean, it was a good look, you know, Mobley got, got um, mentored by Kevin Love. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, whoa, are you talking about a guy who was a brand new all-star? You know, I'm talking about a guy who has championships, played with one of the greats in LeBron James. You know, like, it, like, what can you say? Right. You know, so. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I think it was a good year for Jay. You know, I think it was an amazing year because, you know, like I said, um, he learned a lot. He was allowed to make mistakes. Um, his development was was a little easier because he's so talented. Like, <laughs> I mean, his, his speed, his strength. Like all those things are just were just like natural gifts to him, and then he really works his butt off in the weight room, and 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 as he gets stronger, he's gonna become way better defensively. Because if you watch his defensive prowess, he has the ability to be a lockdown defender. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. He has the athletic ability. You know what I'm saying. Like he led all guards in dunks, so we know he can be his his that athleticism translates to the next level we know this we, we can see this it's obvious mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying so in time as he like i said as he gets stronger you know what i'm saying we're, we're gonna see some special things that you know we weren't we weren't able to see early on in his career so i mean it's just the consistent work nba players have an opportunity to get better based on how much work they're willing to put into it you know and also the correct work is the work you're doing correct? Is it good for you? Right. Is it stuff that's going to translate immediately to the floor? And that's what you have to look at when you're talking about development. So that's why, you know, I'm not a fan of, you know, the guys doing too much. 
like the guys doing stuff that they're not going to be able to do in a real game. Like it doesn't make sense. I mean, LeBron tweeted out last summer. He was like, man, I'm tired of seeing you guys doing all this work that I'm not going to be able to do at the next, in the game. Like, what are we doing? Right. And then you come the season and guys can't hit shots. They can't hit wide open jump shots. You know what I'm saying? They can't do shot fake, two dribble, you know, jump shot, layup, floater. You know, they can't push the ball in the middle of the court and knock down simple reads, you know, knock down simple shots or whatever. You know, they can't sprint, catch, and shoot, you know, but they're doing everything else. Right. They're doing everything else in video that they're not going to be allowed to do in the game that doesn't work in the game. It's not productive. So, you know, I think with these NBA players in their summertime, I know they want to enjoy themselves with their families and their friends and so forth, but they also have to always be preparing for that next season because fans ain't trying to hear it. Right. Fans want to see what they want to see. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. They, they, want, they want to see it. Like, uh-uh, nope. Nope, not good enough. Show me, you know, because you know the fans pay everybody's expenses, really. Essentially, you know they, they pay they pay their their salaries, you know, because of the TV contracts. You know, um, the more people watch the TV games, the more money available, the more commercials they can put out there. So you know, it's um, it's it's, it's interesting. Yeah, for sure, absolutely. I think um, I think with Jalen, um, it's a little bit to what you spoke to. With Houston, I, I figured I didn't think they would be too good. Like I didn't, I didn't expect Houston. I didn't have any high uh, aspirations or high expectations for Houston as a team in terms of team success. Um, I know we talked about with Jalen, like uh, you know, throughout the summer. I thought I, I wasn't surprised that he was able to be as effective as he was offensively. Like I said, especially in the second half of the season. Like the second half of the season, I thought that is what that's what we have to look for in terms of him being able to create his own shot, um, being being a little bit more efficient um, from three, um, and and I saw an increase of getting to getting to the lane, getting to the getting to the bucket, and 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 getting to the free throw line a lot more. I saw an increase of that, so I thought that's a, that's definitely another easy way to. To build up confidence um, in terms of shooting the basketball is just simply being aggressive. You know, first couple shots don't go in necessarily, but being aggressive and getting to the free throw line early to uh, catch some type of rhythm. Um, I thought that was really, really big and crucial um, throughout the second half of his rookie season. But I think you make a great point in terms of the lack of experience that was on the squad. And I and with the with, with Kevin Porter, um, I kind of figured he, he's he's not he's not your traditional pure point guard that's going to look to necessarily get the other four guys involved. But he, you know, he's he's more of a combo guy. He's like he has the ability to play make and create for others, but he's also has that um that you know that unique ability to score the basketball inside and out so that's what it is and, and when you when you look at the stats um what they revealed towards the end of the year was that kevin porter was i think he, he might have been close to number one in the nba on catch and shoot threes it's percentage wow like 48 percent or something like that so you 
guard all year long. And he's able to just play his comfortable combo position, you know, they're more successful. You know, but like I said, you know, the team has, you know, this is what this is the direction we're going in. We're we're gonna allow you guys to mess up. We want to on the ball more. We want to give him that experience. And we're not really looking to win as many games this year. But we are trying to build our franchise up through the draft. And the only way you do that is if, you know, we get high picks. Right. And the way you get high picks is by being in the lottery. Yeah. So, I mean, it's hard to it's hard to be upset with the organization. Yeah, definitely. Um, this is something that's been done for years where, you know, teams, you know, they tank. You know, I mean, I remember, I think it was the San Antonio Spurs that started the whole tanking thing. Yeah. When Dave Robinson got hurt, mm-hmm. and then they were like, oh, we're just, we're you know, just bad. We'll, <laughs> we're going to tank. Vanilla then they got Tim Duncan. Mm-hmm. And then you, you know, the dynasty was about to be born, you know, because it wasn't just the traditional high, low basketball game that they played with Robinson and Duncan. It was, you know, two guys that were able to operate on both sides of the court, you know, outside and inside. Amazing combination. So, you know, um, this is just NBA lore. This is just what happens. This is what the NBA is about. This is the normal pace of of the league. Right. You know, where guys tank, you know, some guys are trying to win a title, some guys are trying to rebuild. You have to have a you gotta have goals, you gotta have like a five year projection. You have to understand like what are we trying to do this year? Like like there has to be a meeting that says, okay, where what are we doing this year? Are we going for the championship? Are we if we're not if we're going for the championship, then we're not playing all these young boys. You know, we're going for the championship, then we need reliable veterans that have some playoff experience, mm-hmm. guys that are going to play hard, guys that really understand how to take care of their bodies themselves. We got some great veteran leadership on the team. You know, you got guys like Udonis Haslam who still are in the league because of their their veteran leadership. Their voice, yeah. 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 I mean, that's so important when you're talking about, have, about guys – you know, being able to mentor younger players, helping them, you know, get acclimated to this new NBA thing. This NBA thing, this thing of ours, I call it, you know what I'm saying? It's something different. It's not pickup ball. It's not high school ball. It's not college ball. You know what I'm saying? It's very difficult, but I will say this. If you do the right things, NBA basketball is a lot easier than college basketball. It's a lot easier. You know what I'm saying? Yep. In college basketball, every single game matters. In the NBA regular season, they don't care about every single game. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Those guys aren't going back into the locker room crying, pissed off, throwing chairs after they, after they, after they lose two games in a row. At Duke, man, Krzyzewski might break something. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Coach Roy Williams back in the days might, might throw a temper tantrum. You never know. You know what I'm saying? But in the pros, it's like, nah, it's okay. You know, we're going to learn from this. We're going to be a better team later on. Right. You know, you, you have that that type of, of, um, of, of thought process. Yeah, I mean, well, look at the Boston Celtics. I mean, a team that made it to the finals right this year, the first two months of the season, they were below 500. Like, like they were below 500. And, I mean, you know, they, they got a 
got a, I mean, as we see, they got a damn good squad. So, they, but they were below 500 the first couple months of the season and didn't really turn it around until January. And then obviously the rest is history from January on record wise, they've been the best team in basketball. So you're right. You're right. And they told us that uh, Jalen Brown and um, and Jason Tatum couldn't play together. Yeah. Told us that, you know, we need to separate these two guys. That's what they told us. Yes. So now what's, what's the issue? <laughs> right. You know so, nah, it's, um, it's, it's, it's a different world when you talk about NBA basketball. And... Sometimes the fans don't understand it. You know, the fans want what they want. You know, it's like when you go to your favorite restaurant, you know, you don't want to hear nothing about, oh, your sous chef quit. So the quality of the food preparation wasn't as good, which is why, you know, I was, you know, like it was cold. And, you know, it was a season that's that's good. Nobody wants to hear that. Right. They want what they pay for. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Give me what I pay for every time I come here. You know, if you're a fan, if you're spending your money, you know, to, to go to the, you know, because if you're if you're the casual fan, um, those ticket prices are ridiculous. Right. You know, the ticket prices are they're crazy, like for real. Right. So, you know, I want what I want. I want what I pay for. <laughs> and, and and that's it. Like there's no there's no conversation. Right. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it, you know. Um, yeah. You're right. Um, before I let you go, Mark, um, NBA Finals prediction. If you can give us that NBA, since the finals is coming up uh, June 2nd on Thursday, can you give us your NBA Finals prediction? The Warriors will beat them in either five or I mean, I would say six games, but I really think they can beat them in five because of the, the points per game that Golden State is going to score yep. with that home court advantage. Mm-hmm. I think they start off 2-0. and I think they can steal one in Boston. I think they finish it out, you know, in, um, Golden, in Golden State. Okay. I, I, I agree with that. Um, I picked... Before the season started, I picked Golden State to win it all this year. Um, before the playoffs started, I picked them. I still with that pick. Um, and it's interesting you mentioned the home court dominance. Um, I think uh, Golden State they're nine and zero at home in this postseason. And then you look at you then you you look you factor in uh, as you talked about. I think Golden State offensively they just have more. They they just have more at their disposal. Uh, I think uh, I was just I was I was on somebody else's podcast last um, a couple days ago, and I was basically ex- explaining. I'm like, the way I know Boston's a great defensive team. They're they're they are elite defensively, but the way how they defend most NBA teams, which is a lot of NBA offenses, and I'm sure you know this, a lot of NBA offenses today. It's a lot of ball screens and, you know, you know, trying to take advantage of mismatches. And, you know, there's usually a shooter and or or a cutter who can't shoot uh, on weak side. Uh, but with Golden State, they have a motion. They run motion offense, which is, I think, and it's not necessarily like your traditional motion offense. It's a motion offense that you will see in 2022 
where you have two guys nonstop movement and the other guys play off of that nonstop movement. So the way how Boston is usually defending, which is like man to man, trying to defend ball screens, that's that that's Golden State. They play differently from that. Um, Golden State, you know, they use the they they use the fewest amount of ball screens. And these guys like Marcus Smart, Brown, they're gonna be running and chasing behind Steph and Poole and Clay off of these screens, these backdoor cuts, the these down screens. So that's where I give the advantage to Boston. I mean to Golden State. And I think Golden State, I, you said five games, possibly six. I'ma say six. I think uh I think Golden State, I don't think they lose a home game. I think uh Golden State probably wins in six games. But that's just my take on that. Um, but yeah, I, I I completely agree with you. I think Boston just don't have enough. A little bit enough. They don't have just enough offensively to keep up with Golden State. The one thing you're going to see is um, when the ball's on the op. Okay, so what what they'll have is they'll have Steph coming up. They'll have they have pin downs, you know, coming from all angles, right? Mm, yep. So you'll see a situation where. Steph's about to run, uh, pin down, being Steph, and he's about to curl or sprint into it on the catch and shoot. And then all of a sudden, you see the guy who's setting the the, the, the screen, him just cut back door and get layups. Or you actually see Steph, um, instead of taking the pin down action, will just cut back, will just cut back door, which is slicing right to the basket and catching the ball and getting those simple reverse layups. Now, what Boston is going to do is. They're going to run somebody help side over there. When they see that action possibly happen, mm-hmm. they're going to have, they're going to run somebody help side. And so now when a guy gets that pass, if he doesn't have that wide open shot, he's going to immediately need to recognize the opposite side shooter where the defense came from and make that pass. So he'll catch the pass in the middle and kick it back out for a three pointer. Those guys have to make those three pointers. Guys have to be lined up in position to make those shots. Now, Kaminga is going to play a, a big role in it because if you can get Al Horford away from the basket, that takes away the only person that could possibly block shots. You know what I'm saying? That's 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 their only hope is for them to defend and block shots. I think they got what's to get Robert Williams, Robert Williams, yeah. and, and 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 Al Horford are their two rim protectors. But necessarily great shot blockers. You know what I'm saying, but they're solid rim protectors. Yes. So that's the only way Golden State is going to be able to open the game up is by, you know, making those 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 extra passes, getting those hockey assists, and guys making shots, you know, drawing those bigs away from the basket. Because as you see, you know, um, you saw Clay cut back door, you know, shot fake, get into the lane and dunk. You know, we see Draymond push the ball up the court. Nobody's in the middle because they're, they're, they don't want to come off help on the wings. And, and him making great passes and guys, you know, uh, knocking down three. They don't want to see that. So Draymond's been able to get in the middle and finish in the middle. You know, we've seen uh, we've seen Jordan do that. Yep. We've seen Steph do that. The whole team does it. You know what I'm saying? Because guys don't want to come off those wings because they don't want to give up that three versus that two. Mm-hmm. You know? So it's going to be interesting to see how Boston defends that. Uh, during the regular season, I don't think Boston did a great job of defending. I think they're one and one. During the regular season, I think they played twice. They're one and one. Yeah, but um, I don't know that they have the answer for for Steph. I just don't know if they do uh, right now. He's feeling himself. He has a better body. Yep. Um, you can see the muscle. You can see his shoulders. 
uh, you can, if you look at his defensive rating, it's, it's a lot better. Mm-hmm. Like, no, he's not a, we're not saying he's a lockdown defender. We're, we're talking about him as a person that plays on a, on a, on a really good defensive team. Yep, and three. he's solid. Yep. He's, he's solid. He's a respectable defender. Exactly. So it's not like he's locking guys down. We're not putting him on our best score. But when he has to defend his position, when he has to defend them, whether he's guard, he does a good job. And that being said, he's rated in the top 8% of the NBA as far as defense, you know, which is weird. Like, oh, man, Steph can't play defense. Who's going to run him? Okay. Well, he's got to play somebody. Right. And guys aren't really scoring on him. There's there's videos. There's images. Like, if guys just stop and say, let me look at Steph Curry play defense. Is he that bad? Like, what, what's going on? Because it's a team game anyway. So when guys talk about, oh, he's a great individual defender, you're only as good of a, a defender as your team. Right. Because if you get beat slightly and your guy gets in the gap and, 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 and slows him down a little bit, you can catch up and get a steal or help, help you know, help deter that shot. That's your defensive play. That's your win share right there. Yep. You know what I'm saying? But if you don't have a good, a good defensive team, guys are going to get by you slightly or whatever, and they're going to score. And now you're a bad defender. Absolutely. So it's it's it, there's more factors, you know, involved when you're rating a pl- a person on his defensive ability. The team has to buy into it. The team concept has to be correct. And I think with Draymond being quote unquote like the middle linebacker for their defense, mm-hmm. I think that helps them tremendously. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, in terms of this series, with the Warriors, okay. What type of how do you think the the Celtics will use because you said they don't they, you don't think they quite have an answer for Steph, which I would agree with. Uh I would I would tend to agree with. What do you how do you think the Celtics will try to defend Poole? Because like we, we already mentioned, Steph and Poole are both offense offensively for the Warriors are though they are the guys that can when when the actions in the when the actions break down, those guys can actually create their own shot and, and break someone down and, and get their shot off. How do you think the Celtics will try to defend Jordan Poole? They're gonna have to be physical. They're gonna try to do the um Trey Young uh defense on him. They're gonna try to be physical, they're gonna try to knock him on the floor. Um Jordan played through uh, a couple injuries uh, in the Memphis series. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, no, in the Denver series, and he and, and um, it carried through to the Memphis series a little bit. And um, I think I think he did okay. You know, um, he hasn't been as consistent as I know he probably wants to be. But um, I think that's the only thing you can do is try to be physical. And being this is the NBA Finals, the referees will allow them to play more physical. Than yep. in previous series, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so, I mean, I think you have to watch out for that. But if Golden State is patient offensively, they'll be able to catch uh, the Celtics sleeping. See, here's the thing: what people don't understand is that it's it's not really a 24 second shot clock. That's not true. It's not really a 24 second shot clock. Um, the shot clock is more like. Uh, 16 seconds. Okay. 17, 17, 17 seconds. Seventeen to 16 eight, seconds. Probably eight, 18 seconds. Okay. It's 18 seconds, really. So, because, you know, it takes guys 
um, you know, five or six seconds to get the ball past half court. You got to get it past half court within eight seconds or it's a violation. So if a guy is trying to set their offense, if you put a little pressure on the ball, you know, you want to put pressure on the ball, slow a guy down a little bit so he uses time on the shot clock. Now, you only have to defend for roughly 15 to 16 seconds. Yeah. You think about that. Now, if Golden State is patient and they get a lot of movement going, they can dismantle the Celtics because there's too many things you have to be afraid of. Um, I think Clay is going to play an amazing role in this finals because he's getting his rhythm back. Yep. His rhythm being that, and you remind it, not tell everybody I said this, make this a point. Okay. Clay Thompson is the most technically sound shooter of the basketball we've ever seen. Most technically sound. And the way I, the reason I'm saying this is because of the techniques he's able to use while shooting. He can plant his, he can plant his outside foot, catch and shoot. He can rhythm into his shot with a run one, two rhythm step, one, two shot. He can hop into his jump shot. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That same hot that we saw um, uh, Jimmy Butler missed that three-pointer where he drove down, uh-huh. hopped into it, and took that jump shot. Clay can do all of those things. There's no one else. I've never seen anyone else in NBA history that could do it at the efficiency that Clay Thompson doesn't. Mm-hmm. What that means is, like, usually you, you know how to defend a guy based on his footwork and how he moves to the ball. With Clay, you you don't. That's what makes him so dangerous. Right. And that and then when he catches the ball, he doesn't have to bring the ball down and then rhythm into his shot. You know what I'm saying? Because some guys will catch it, drop it below their waist, and rip it up and explode into their jump shot. Mm-hmm. That's why people talk about oh, you know, like like you have trainers, uh, dummies, you know, who say yo, I should, you should. Is it a lot of players dip? when they shoot their jumper, like Ray Allen has a big dip when he shoots his jump shot. But Ray Allen uses that dip on his jump shot as momentum. He swings the ball up into his shot. Right. That's momentum for him. He uses athletic ability. That helps him shoot the ball higher. He gets more release on it, more strength, more power, more everything, more pop to his shot. A lot of guys need that. Clay Thompson, he can catch the ball if the pass is thrown at his face at level. His, at his face level, he can which, shoot it. That's right. That's right. The ball never comes down. Mm-hmm. He'll catch it and swing it across his face and go right into his shot. How do you defend that? Especially if the footwork is correct. And see, that's the thing that Clay brings to the table, that once he gets it all the way through, because think about it. Man, the dude tore his Achilles and his ACL in back-to-back years. Mm-hmm. The fact that he's even playing basketball makes him, and nobody's talking about this, it makes Klay Thompson the most amazing comeback story in NBA history. Nobody's talking about this, though. Right. No one has ever come back from a torn ACL and a torn Achilles. Because Achilles usually is like, oh, yeah, he's done. Yeah. We saw Durant come back and was like, wow, it could be done. Because I think only one other person had really done it. It might have been Dominique Wilkins. Dominique, yeah. He came back the following year and like averaged like 27, 28. Exactly. Yeah. We've never seen that any other time. Mm-hmm. Guys usually like they're so they're slowed down. It's it's not the same. 
Clay had two years off. Mm-hmm. Torn Achilles, torn ACL, and he's back. So he is the most amazing comeback story, injury-wise, in NBA history. And the fact that he's doing it at this high of a level. And we saw last game, he said, man, he hit seven threes, he should have hit ten. <laughs> he knows he should have hit ten. Right. He he missed those things like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So this is what we are gonna see. We're we're going to see a team that is just slightly behind those Golden State Warriors teams of, of back-to-back championships that we saw with Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. Because with Kate with with, with with KD, you had three great scorers on the floor at the same time. Yeah. Great scores, you know, and once, like I said, Jordan is finding his comfort zone. He understands his role. Steph understands who he is. You know what I'm saying? And now Clay is back in his rhythm. Yeah. How do you beat this team? Remember, a 10-point lead with three minutes to go against Golden State, that's a problem. You're, you're probably going to lose. <laughs> if, if, if you have a 10-point lead, with three minutes to go against Golden State, you're probably going to lose, especially if they're on a run. Because defensively, they can lock down and make good decisions. Right. All they need is two possessions. <laughs> now it's down to six. My fault is down to four. It's down to four, yeah. <laughs> so they need three stops, and they're good money. In three stops, they're good money. And, and 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 Mark, it's interesting that you bring up that point, and that's why I think the Golden State Warriors are going to win this series. Boston struggles to to finish quarters, and they struggle to close out games. Point in case, Game Seven, <laughs> they they were up thirteen with three and a half minutes left. Mind you, this is a Miami Heat team. If the Miami Heat don't have nearly. They don't have nearly the offensive firepower and 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 just they don't have nearly the firepower that the Warriors have. And they came back and they had a shot to win the game with 20 seconds left it, with a go-ahead Jimmy Butler three that he missed. So you're absolutely right. And it's interesting that you bring up that point because I think that's the great separator between Boston and Golden State where Golden State's going to finish out quarters. They're going to have their third quarter avalanche. And down the stretch of games, they they're lethal. Mm-hmm. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's, this is gonna be, um, it's gonna be fun because um, definitely we're gonna series. get to watch two of the best defenders in the game, and Marcus Smart and Draymond Green. We're gonna get to watch them go at it. We're gonna watch. You know, I look forward to seeing Marcus Smart and Draymond Green getting in each other's faces, mm-hmm. talking talking junk, and then laughing, you know what I'm saying, or not laughing. I look forward to it. I look forward to the, the, the battle, you know. Um, it's going to be entertaining. Uh, it's going to be, you know, we're going to see, um, is Jason Tatum really that guy um, offensively, uh, but more importantly, defensively? You know, he did a great job on Kevin Durant. Yep. But now, is he going to be able to do a great job on Clay Thompson? Because there's so many times where Clay doesn't have to touch the ball, but he's still in the actions. So now you have to pay attention to Clay. 
or he's going to lace you. Mm-hmm. So now it takes Tatum away from his health defense responsibilities. Yep. So now they might need him on that backside, you know, because if because if you're if you're in Golden State, you can see Clay being on that backside. They're running an action on on the wings over there. Mm-hmm. That pin down coming for 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 for, for Poole or Curry, and then one of them slipping it. The pass going into the middle for the layup. Tatum comes over to rotate. They kick it kick it out there to Clay for that wide open three, and that's all she wrote. Right. And now you can't now you can't help off those guys in that action anymore. Once they burn you three times, you can't, you know? And if you have the big over there, if Kaminga can hit a shot, cool. Because, I mean, it's funny because people are really high on Jonathan Kaminga, and I, they don't really understand this level of basketball. What you're seeing in Jonathan Kaminga is you're seeing an uber athlete, oh my God. but you're seeing someone that does not understand how to play NBA basketball yet. Mm-hmm. He thinks he can out athlete everyone else, and you can't. You have to be able to. You have to have those simple series of shot fakes. You have to not don't do the shot fake because it's part of the move package you're doing. Do the shot fake to see how that person reacts on defense, and then make your decision on on whatever what offensive move you're going to do based on his reaction, his defense reaction. Mm-hmm. So he hasn't learned that yet. Like he'll just do moves. In a determinate way, like I'm gonna do this crossover and spin move into the lane. Well, you're doing a spin move, but the crossover, the little in and out of whatever you did, it didn't work. So the guy just stayed there and you spit right back into the defense, got an offensive foul. Right. You know what I'm saying? So you see that in the half court set with him. He needs to be in situations where they can get him running the floor in spurts and keep him running the floor, not in the half court set. Unfortunately, playoff basketball games, a lot of a, a lot of it is based on half-court basketball. So I think for him, if he can give them eight to nine minutes a game of energy and get come out with about six points, four rebounds, one block, you know, one steal, you know what I'm saying? No fouls, yeah. nah, two fouls. Give him two fouls, two fouls where he doesn't let them get a, get a bucket off without getting a tech, a flagrant one or two or whatever. I think he'll be valuable. He'll be super valuable. And I think the kid Moody, will get an opportunity to get six to eight minutes, probably eight minutes, you know what I'm saying, of playing time because he's shown that he can make, you know, wide open shots. He can make shots, yeah. yeah. You know, and just simply defend because he's long, got a seven-foot-plus wingspan. You know what I'm saying? He can defend defend shots, you know, because Boston's going to be really active. They're going to really try to be aggressive and attack the basket, you know. So it's, it's, this is going to be a, a, a battle of, of two different disciplines. Yes. Great way to put it. Great way to put it. I, I, before I let you go, because you're dropping, you're just dropping so many gems. I want to ask you this, um, because I think Golden State, this this squad right here, they're they're, they're very reminiscent of their first championship run in terms of strengthening numbers. Like they, like you talking about, you're talking about guys like Kaminga and Moody. But then you got also you bring it off you bring it up got you you know you got guys coming off the bench such as Poole, obviously, um, GP two might be back, uh, Otto Porter maybe even a fountain of youth from Iguodala. So we're talking about Golden State possibly being nine ten deep, where on the other end Boston, they're about they're about seven deep. They go about seven deep. They you know depending on the weather, Peyton Pritchard may get some time. 
But usually they have their five. Uh, we know they're starting five, but then the two guys off the bench, the kid, Grant Williams, and then Derek White. In terms of Boston only being seven deep, and we we and we know how deep Golden State is, with the style of play that Golden State, what they do offensively, and Boston guys happening to chase and run around, how do you think that fares for Boston? I think it hurts Boston. I, I don't I don't know if they have the bench that can compete with what Golden State has right now. Golden State, they have done an amazing job in regards to their front office of assembling a, a veteran team with a splash of youth mm-hmm. that is going to possibly give them a couple championships. I yep. feel like Golden State can go back to back because I don't necessarily see any of the teams that were threats getting better. Like, there's nobody on Memphis that we looked at and said, okay, once he gets better, then they're going to be a problem. I think those guys are as good as they're going to be. The only team that might be a threat, and I, and the I only, only reason I say threat, I say threat in the reason that they w- might win a couple more games and might be able to take a, a team to a, a six-game playoff would be Denver mm. um, because them bringing back Jamal Murray and um, Michael Porter Jr. And, and Michael Porter Jr. Mm-hmm. They're going to be a formidable team, but I don't think they have the chemistry because they haven't played together. Right. You know, Golden State had their ups and downs, but their core has always been their core in Clay, Dre, and Steph. That's their core. It's always been there. Yep. With Denver, you don't, they don't, their core is, is, is joking. That's their core. You know what I'm saying? Like everything flows around him. So now how does the offense work when you have all this talent and then can you start everybody? You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, because all those guys, because you got Will Barton, you got Joker, you got Jamal Murray, you got Michael Porter. You know what I'm saying? Uh, who's the point guard? Uh, you got Mary. Who? Jamal. Jamal Murray. I'm sorry. Jamal Murray. Okay, so. Uh, but, but, and then so you got Murray, Aaron Gordon. So Jamal Murray's your point guard? Yeah, that he yeah, I mean, that's what he plays when he's healthy. That's that he's their he's their point, he's labeled as their point guard. Yeah. He's labeled as their point guard. Yeah. You know, and we know he's not. Right. He's a combo. Yeah. Big time. He's you know, trying to score the ball, you know. Um, but then you also lose something, you lose timing when you don't play basketball for the entire season. Right. So now they're gonna struggle to find and get that timing back, which is what Golden State did, you know, but they didn't because they had an influx of youth that helped them get off to a great start. Mm-hmm. But then once Clay came back, you know, it kind of things up because they had to figure out his rhythm. We had to get him shooting the ball so he'd be ready for the playoffs, good shots, bad shots. It don't matter. He needed shots, he needed action, you know what I'm saying? So I don't know if Denver, you know, and Denver doesn't have a championship pedigree. Right. Their core doesn't have a championship pedigree like Golden State's. So I think it was a little bit easier, not easy, but I think it was more, um, it was something that they could do because they've been there before with getting their rhythm back. And now Golden State has a rhythm back. Denver doesn't. They've never had a championship rhythm, you know, or a championship core. Right. So I don't, I don't see anybody 
you know, beating this team in the next two years. So I think they'll go back to back. You know, um, there'll be a dynasty again. And then I think things will start to transition um, in regards to Jordan, Jordan getting more shots, uh, being more, you know, having more responsibility offensively. Um, and Clay and Steph. Clay, I think Steph will still be a weapon, you know, especially right. if he stays in shape. Um, Clay will, will still be a weapon, you know, you know, and <laughs> all these young guys coming up, they're He's only going to get better, and then we still have to figure out what we're going to do with James Wiseman. I don't right. think I don't necessarily think he fits in that team. I think you trade him along with somebody else, and you get a veteran big that will be a presence at the rim. You know, because that's the only thing that Gold State is needing right now is rim presence. Right. Right. You know. So I mean, their front office have been doing an amazing job. Amazing. You know, job. so far. So I mean, we'll see you know, what they can create, you know, over the next two to three years in that regard. Uh, but I, I just don't see anybody beating these guys. I just don't. And if they do, then kudos to them because they played their their hearts out. But the Celtics, I just don't think they have enough firepower. And I just don't think um, in the four games you're going to have to, you're going to have to, you're going to have to, you're going to have to beat them in Golden State. At least once. At least once maybe at twice. least once maybe twice i don't i don't i don't yeah possibly twice i don't see you stopping them from getting over 110 points twice because they'll do that on a bad night right you know what i'm saying they'll do that on a bad night so you know like what are we saying like what are, what are we asking these guys to do we ask them to be amazing defenders at the highest level when we know they're banged up as well. Yep. The Celtics are banged up. They're very, but yeah, 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 absolutely. You know, and Golden State is, you know, and you know what? I, I think the NBA did the the Celtics. Um, it did them dirty. The reason I say it did them dirty is because they've been given, you know, four or five days off before the next game. Now, usually what happens in these series is if one team finishes early, when the other when the team that are in the other side conference finals, when they're done, they go seven games. People say, oh, well, the other team's rested, whatever, whatever. But what they don't understand is that momentum is on their side after they've just won a seventh game to come in and play a team that's been resting right. where they don't have the momentum. So with this long layoff, this four or five-day layoff, think it kind of messes up the Celtics because, you know, it's kind of like when you, you push your ankle or something, they say, oh, nah, you got to tie that shoe up and keep moving. You got to keep moving. Mm -hmm. You got to keep moving if you had that injury. You know, once you stop moving, you know, and you get that muscle atrophy and, you know, the bones, you know, like... It, it starts to flare up. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, I think the Celtics, you know, I think that's going to hurt them. And with Golden State, I think it helps them because they 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 shoot up, they take a lot of shots. They will practice simple schemes. They'll talk about. It, they'll walk through it. They'll run through it slightly. But then afterwards, as a team, they're putting up thousands and thousands and thousands of jumpers, jumpers, different angles, different areas. You're gonna get the ball here. You're gonna finish here. They do a lot of shooting. <laughs> so this is like I said, this is gonna be fun. Wow.
Um, well, like I said, always great talking hoops with you, Mark. Uh, I don't want, like I said, I'm, I, I greatly appreciate you coming on. I know you out in the West Coast, so the time difference is, is, is real early for you. So I just, I just greatly appreciate you making time for me and my podcast to come on, drop some gems. Uh, like I said, greatly appreciated, and you're welcome back. You know, I, I welcome back anytime to discuss basketball and different skill development and guys that you are, you know, you, you, you know, help him develop and get better. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you, man. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for sure. Uh, like I said, uh, hopefully I think, I, I think our finals predictions will be, they'll be right. Go to state. Uh, they will be champions. Steph gets his fourth ring and so forth. Um, but without further ado, like I said, uh, I commend, thank you, Mark, for coming on. Bring, you know, giving us dropping gems, dropping a lot of basketball gems. Thank you. My man. See you.